Welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. Evan, guess what? What? Episode 19, baby! 19! Do you know that you always do the same hand movements whenever you say welcome to Splainin'? No. <laughs> Every time. Please you do this me. weird, like, you do this weird, like, back welcome. and forth. I do this? Yeah, like you're, like, ta- like you're passing somebody things with each hand. Like I'm passing one dinner plate and taking away another from somebody else? Yeah, that's a good representation of it for those listeners at home. Yes. Yep. Welcome to your dinner. <laughs> a podcast where Jeff takes away the other plate with his other hand, and now you have no food. That's a bummer. We'll cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really thought it was going to go somewhere. Me too. And I thought I was going to laugh. Um, I was hoping you would laugh, but of course, you didn't. I laughed at your demise. Um, Episode 19. Episode one nine. Yeah, we are nearing twenty. It I know. Feels like we've done this for. A, we're now into the third season of doing this in a way. Okay. Sort of. Well, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. Well, Maybe. is it fall yet? Next week is fall. Sure. So, because we did it all through spring, mm-hmm. we did it all through summer. Yep. So it's oh, almost mean, fall. Oh, sorry, sorry. You mean like the seasons of the of the year of the yeah. Yeah. No, I thought you meant like in our show of seasons. No. No, okay, I was going to no, say. No, no. no, we're definitely season one. I wonder if we could retroactively go back and like segregate episodes into seasons. We can. I'm positive we can. Well, I'm sure we can. What I mean is like, could we contextually, like in terms of like the episode, the content to oh. actually divvy it up to make it make sense? No. There's no way to make this all make sense. Maybe not. No, definitely not. Hmm. Incoherency is our motto. Is it? I don't know because we're too incoherent. (laughs) 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 Um, I have some things to talk about. Please. Number one. Number one. Sort of a correction. Sure. Uh, Kim Wilson, who we talked about last week. Yeah. And we said, love you. We said, we gave a little shout out. We did. Kim heard us. She heard us. Um, We said, you know, new listener from Ontario. We don't, neither of us know who she is. And then I Facebook creeped a Kim Wilson and Mm -hmm. assumed it was that one. Well, Kim messaged us and let us know that's not her. <laughs> no, that was so, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> apologies to the other Kim who well, we yes. creeped and um, thought we knew. But Kim doesn't actually technically know either of us, although she has seen me before because she went to my church because her daughter, Megan, is in my choir. There we go. Who's lovely. So that's how we know Kim. Yeah. And Megan has now pre-ordered some t-shirts. How exciting. So maybe one for Kim. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, Kim. Maybe <gasps> it was like a birthday present. A surprise present. That- what a terrible gift. I mean, I'm joking. Are <laughs> <laughs> you joking, Aaron? If that was your actual uh, gift, I'm I'm sorry. <clears throat> do you know who else I found out listens this week? Who? I don't know if I want to tell you. Oh, I don't know if I want to hear. You're going to be too nervous. Oh, no. Maybe you already knew. Is it Bill? No, you already Oh, that's the one that you knew and got nervous. Yeah, no, no. no I, it wasn't I knew Bill. Bill. Ronaldo Hutton McDonald. No, she doesn't. No, yes, she, she does. doesn't. She told me she loves the podcast. That makes me really nervous now. Ronaldo, we love you so much. We love you so much. much. Um, also, uh, we gotta... now I feel bad about like cursing and stuff. When do we curse? We bleep. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Ronaldo's heard a few of those words around town. I mean, who's kidding who? Right? Mm. She got four children. You know she said something on gro- while they were growing up. <laughs> um, we also got a gorgeous message from listener um, our good friend zoe Mm -hmm. who just thanked us for um like making her week feel a little happier basically yeah making her laugh (laughs) is that a good description no it it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) i 
saw you drowning and I said you know what the arsehole didn't laugh at my joke earlier so I'm gonna hang on to this life vest for a minute <laughs> no no seriously she did um, she did write us and and say you know that in all these troubling times it was nice to have something that could make her laugh and that she could latch on to and kind of escape uh, which is great and to be honest with you we, we've actually gotten that message a couple of times and it broke me it did. Every time we've got it, that yeah. message breaks me. It's because it's just like the fact that we could ever be that for someone. Yep, fills me with so much joy. It's shocking. It's shocking. And because you know, let's call a spade for a spade for a second. You know, we started this as our well, that's kind what I was just say. vehicle to Absolutely. express what's going on and yeah. to kind of you but know our vehicle to to get ourselves out of that sort of funk. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, to to be honest. The pandemic expedited this podcast. It definitely wasn't the reason why we did it, no. but it was the catalyst to getting it started. Absolutely. Uh, but it ended up being our, like you said, our vehicle to try it was to, our outlet. to navigate these really weird waters. Yeah. And like as performers, and I said this yeah. to you a couple of weeks ago, um, like myself, I haven't performed since since February. Yeah. And this is the closest thing I've had to it. And it's kind of kept that, I don't know, demon. Is that what I want to call it? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, maybe a demon. Anyways, it's kept it. It's it satisfied the demon. The de- <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. But it was and, very, uh, it was very heartwarming. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. For thank that. you so much. Thank you to to everyone who listens. And uh, yeah. yeah, we. Uh, I I just remember like when this all started, like thinking like I had nothing to do each week, and uh-huh. I had the whole plan of like I'm going to work out here, I'm going to practice piano here, and all that fell by the wayside. And the one thing I started looking forward to every week was doing the podcast. Yep. And I still look forward to it every week. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. Kind of. Jeff. What? What do you mean, kind of? I mean, a lot of. <laughs> like most of the time is what you're saying. Yeah. I always look forward to it. I always do too. Now you're backpedaling. Maybe. No, I'm joking. I love it. It is you, my favorite thing to do. You pushed it twice this week. I'm just I did. Well, once to have a golf tournament. And yeah. what was the second time? You were. Oh no, you didn't push it. But you were. No, push you it. pushed it yesterday. You poop. You weren't ready either. I was. I could have been. You finished your research <laughs> this morning. You nutty. You finished it an hour ago. I finished mine last night. Um, I have more corrections. This is bad news. I'm already on the second beer, buddy. Uh oh. Um, I have more corrections. They're all from me. No one sent corrections about last week's episode. Is Evan just critiquing himself? Well, it was things that I made a note of when I listened to it that I went, oh, I should look that up, or ow, Evan, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So, one, I kept saying flight tower operator <laughs> when we were talking about airports in the Bermuda Triangle. What was the one that I kept saying? Oh, no, never mind. That was something completely different. Wow. Oh. Well done. Uh, but I kept saying flight tower operator. What I meant was air traffic controller. So, zero out of three. Nothing but net, if the net meant wrong answers. I was going to say, nothing but air. Yeah. He airballed it. Flight tower operator, air traffic controller. It was like like synonym central. Well done. Um, Also, I referenced the kids' show where there's an elevator that goes down to China. Was it truly Baba? It was not Baba. It was another Canadian children's show called Rupert. Do you remember Rupert? He was the white bear, yes. and he had the the red sweater yes. with the the um yes like the pattern yellow pants and the scarf. Uh huh. And he had a his one of his best friends was Pong Ping, oh. which very racist. You can't get away with today. A little bit. But Pong Ping, all of the all of the characters were animals. Sure. Like Babar, which is maybe why we thought Babar. Babar. Um, and a um, he was a. This is the description from Wikipedia of Pong Ping. <laughs> 
a Pekingese from China who owns an elevator that can travel underground all the way to China. He has a wealth of knowledge of his culture, including dragons and various magical objects. Oh, God. He's also good at math. No. <laughs> That's the description of Pong Ping. That's a little Rupert. on the nose. Oh, buddy. Woof. Woof. Um, another thing we screwed up that we've already discussed, you and I together, is... $2 million treasure would be $1 billion today. Yes, but we didn't screw it up. Well, we did it away in that we never really, we talked around it like we do everything. Yes, the one but thing I was we, right. Yeah. Well, you were right, but I wasn't understanding until we listened. Yes. The one thing we never ever said that makes it clear is buying power. Uh, that, no, 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 no. I did say that. Well, we can check. And we will. <laughs> we will be going back. <laughs> so what I maybe that's why I understood it when I listened and not when we were talking about it. But Yes. In 17-whatever, mm-hmm. $2 million has the same buying power as $1 billion today. Yes. That's what wasn't clear to me, and that we didn't go out on a limb and actually say that sentence. Not that exact sentence, but I said what the dollar value gives you. So, like, when Did you, you were say like, buying power? Because now you're on the record saying, I definitely said buying power, well, you we're going to go check. I challenge our listeners to go back and tell us what we said. <laughs> yeah. Let's pawn the work <laughs> off on them. Yeah. Um, and the other thing we, the only other thing we talked about was Magnetic North. We questioned it. I questioned oh, it. You true, questioned it. And true, we both true. went, I don't know. I don't know. So Next. I, I went to look it up. Okay. So True North is a fixed point on the globe. Sure. Right? Just like the North Pole, whatever. Yeah. Magnetic North is quite different. Magnetic North is the direction that a compass needle points to as it aligns with the Earth's magnetic field. Okay. What is interesting is that the magnetic North Pole shifts and changes over time in response to changes in the Earth's magnetic core. It's not actually a fixed point. Sure. So at Greenwich, which is a throwback to episode one. Well done. That's where the, uh, mm-hmm. whatever yeah, the clock towers. The mag- <laughs> clock tower. The magnetic North Pole has been positioned slightly to the west of True North for hundreds of years. However, its position is constantly changing. And soon, Magnetic North and True North will align. Oh. The alignment won't last for long um, because the British Geological Survey predicts that Magnetic North will begin to shift slightly eastwards over the coming years. Well. So there's that. The things you learn. The, the more you know, because knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And splaining is your vehicle to power. Absolutely. There's no good or evil, just power, and those too weak to seek it. That might be the second time you've done that quote on the podcast. It was the first. Mm, I think you said it once before, and I almost didn't get what it references. Do you now know what it is? Yeah, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, okay. Um, so I, I think we... that's just in life when I've quoted that. Been... <laughs> yeah, it, it very well could be. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all that I have to say about any of that things. Next week is a special anniversary episode. It is an anniversary episode. 20th anniversary. Of us. Congratulations. Um, We're 20 years married. (laughs) What a little funny story. So Peter Andrew, our dear friend of the podcast. The dearest. Has sent a message asking for um, my engagement story. Yeah. Because he really enjoyed Jeff's. Mm -hmm. And he likes to learn things about the podcasters themselves. Yeah. Which is nice. Because when I listen to podcasts, I'm the same way. I like to like get little tidbits into their lives yeah because they're like usually famous for us not so much but for the celebrities it's fine we could be we could be um so that's probably gonna be episode 20 is that and something else sure um however fun (laughs) fact the that bonus episode because it doesn't have a number it just is called bonus is by far the least listened to episode oh no (laughs) like like drastically so i guess people were like bonus Nah, nah. <laughs> they're lucky I've listened to the real episodes. A little extra. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. 
Anyway. Or is it they just didn't like my story? Well, they don't know it because they didn't listen to it. So how do you know if we liked it or not? Mm, that's a good point. <laughs> well, screw you. Go back and listen, old man. Everyone go back and listen. It's a very funny story. It's a great story. And we do the BuzzFeed uh, Friends Quiz. Yeah. Which is like slightly underwhelming, but still sort of funny. <laughs> you know? He was the one who said it. Um, you're all thinking it. I'm the one who said it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you're first. I'm first. Yep. Uh, so this week, um, I don't think... It was anything. No, no, it was just something we just discussed a little bit. What? Uh, my topic for you. Yeah. Yeah. We were sort of. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say lazy and, and being a little slack. A little bit. And we didn't know what we were going to do because the last time we came up with like three or four topics in a row and it mm. was like heaven. Yeah. Uh, and then we didn't. But and this week just felt a little under. Yeah. Yeah. Like Evan said, he was really looking forward to the podcast this week. Always. Always am. <laughs> always am. Um, but yeah, so I just basically said like weather systems and that's what I have written on the top of my page. Oh, nice. Okay, great. This is called episode 19 weather systems. Good. Yeah. Um, cool. So I guess Evan, tell me a little bit what interests you about the weather. Well, it's, it's... and I'll tell you if I cover it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you why it's boring. Um, it's like the 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 crazy weather that I'm I'm assuming you're going to go into. Not like sometimes it rains. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, cumulus clouds actually accumulate because, um, yeah, it's like uh, like cyclones, tornadoes, like also like what the difference is between things. Sure. So like you know, there's a typhoon, there's a cyclone, there's a tornado, there's a hurricane, there's you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there's a tornado, there's a hurricane. Uh, there's a song yeah, in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, hurricane. Um, yeah, so like the different systems, how they start. Like I know, like most storms are like usually like warm fronts meet cold fronts. I think because that's how like that's how winds happen, maybe. Okay. But um, yeah, beyond that, I don't really know much. Sure. Like, uh, tsunami. No, tsunami has nothing to do with that. Tsunami is tectonic plates, right? Tsunami. Don't know what that is. Prozac. Great. Different album than. Same one. Do they only have I one album? Strange disease. Yeah. Dum, 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 dum. Do they only have one no, album? No, maybe. Oh. I don't know. That's a good tune. Great tune. And they were all like weird little animation characters, right? Well, that's what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Like you never ever saw the people who were in. I mean, I'm sure if you actually even I heard even their live performances, you never saw them. It was just the screen. And they were like behind the screen. Like I singing. mean, it's a very cool premise, but I imagine why it got old quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like my favorite song to play on guitar, Annalisa? Prozac. I don't know either of those things. Are we even friends at all? Okay, weather systems. <laughs> weather is the state of the atmosphere, describing, for example, the degree to which it is hot or cold, wet or dry, calm or stormy, clear or cloudy. On Earth, most weather phenomena occur in the lowest level of the planet's atmosphere, the troposphere, which is just below the stratosphere. Hence, when you go on a plane, you're always just blue sky. Blue sky, ah. smiling. Uh, <laughs> uh, weather is driven by air pressure, okay, temperature, and moisture differences between one place and another. What okay? was that? You just don't like mo- the word moisture? It's a lot in this. Apparently, the weather is strongly dictated by moisture. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. These differences can occur due to the sun's angle at any particular spot. 
The strong temperature contrast between polar and the tropic air gives... Yeah. It wasn't good. It was great, actually. Was it? Yeah, it was great. It was just more poor a... timing because I was, you know, talking. Yeah, well, who cares about that? Honestly. <sighs> the strong temperature contrast between polar and tropical air gives rise to the largest scale uh, atmospheric circulations. The Hadley cell, the feral cell, the polar cell, and the jet stream. Jet streams. Jet streams. The common weather phenomenon include wind, cloud, rain, snow, fog, dust. Dust. Dust <laughs> storms. Sorry, dust storms. <laughs> dust. 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 Dust storms. So less common events include natural disasters such as tornadoes, hurricanes, typhoons, ice storms, etc., etc. Okay. Almost all familiar weather phenomena occur, like I said, in the troposphere. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the farther from the tropics one lies, the lower the sun, the angle of the sun is, which causes those locations to be cooler due to the spread of the sunlight over a greater surface. Right. Okay. The stronger temperature contrast between the polar and the tropic air gives rise to the large-scale circulation cells and the jet streams. Okay. Okay. Weather patterns are comprised of enormous volumes of air that carry heat and moisture from one region of the Earth to another. The driving force for all of this movement comes from the energy from the sun. Okay. Okay. One of the most important details about the sun's involvement in this whole debacle <laughs> is that... The boggle. S- Remember Boggle? Boggle. Remember the game Boggle? No, I don't. <laughs> That's the way you said debacle. Boggle. It was one of those, like, it was a very shitty board game, but my grandmother always had it in her house, and it was like, so we'd always holler out Boggle. It was like one of those word games, you had to line up words. Oh, those are not fun. And like, you had like an hourglass. We like glass. learn stuff. You had an hourglass, and like those, like those classic, like little tiny games that are nothing. Yeah. Anyway, Boggle, funny. Go on. Cool. Um, <clears throat> well, the most important part about the sun's involvement is that the sun's heating of the earth is very uneven. Right. Okay, so just as the sun, in, in, the sun's intensity varies from uh, one part of the day to another, it also varies from one region of the Earth to another. Okay, with the equator absorbing far more energy than the areas near the poles. Yes, the heat from the sun pours down onto the Earth's surface. It does not stay in one place for very long. It's uh, transmitted from Earth's surface into the surrounding air. Right, as the air warms up. It becomes less dense and begins to rise, creating an area of low air pressure. I never understood air pressure. So low air pressure, because the air is all up high? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it be, it, uh, it, be, it creates... Dabba-dooba-dabba-do. <laughs> I was waiting to see how long it would take uh, for that correction to come in. Yep. Oh, that's bad. For anyone who missed it. That wasn't a that wasn't a correction. That was a medical emergency. Yeah, that was yeah. A fire on the dance floor. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so it creates a low air pressure system. Okay. It creates almost an empty space in its stead. Okay. In response, colder, denser, high pressured air rushes in. To fill in where that low pressure system void was, like there's literally a spot that basically has no air in it, and therefore, I mean, 
I I was almost hesitant to put in the void <laughs> for that you, exact thought. Because you knew what I would react there, with. There was an empty space where there was no air. Crap, what are we going to do? <laughs> stick your head up. It was like, <laughs> you stick your head and you go, <gasps> no. No. Um, it, it's just there is space for the air to come in. And right. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's not completely void of okay. atmospheric pressure. Okay. So creating the movement of air, this, this action of the uh, low-pressure heated air going up and the high-pressure, cold, dense, humid air rushing in mm. uh, is what we now know as wind. Okay. Mm-hmm. This sets in motion massive circulations of air. Okay. Warm, moist air near the equator will rise because of the sun and will fl- and will flow towards the poles. Okay. Cool air from the poles sinks and flows back towards the equator as the air whips across the earth's surface. It continuously interacts with the land and sea. Okay. Ex- so, sorry, go on. Exchanging heat and moisture and creating our ever-changing diversity of weather. Right, so this is why we're getting, like, you know, southern states, like Florida, all these tropical places get hurricanes that devastate because they're so close to the equator. That that's where the currents are meeting. The well, pr- what's, air happen- pressure systems. what's happening is, is, and I'll explain a little bit further, but there's so much heat in those areas yeah. that it's heating up the ground, heating up the air. And what's happening is the, the air is rising and the moisture and the humidity is rising up higher and higher. Right. And because of that, it is creating more weather systems. Right. Yeah. Um, although we would assume that air would be able to mix easily with other kinds of air, mm. um, volumes of air with dimper, dip and dip and dip, with different temperatures and humidity <laughs> characteristics often don't. Okay. Okay. Scientists refer to a huge volume of air with particular characteristics as an air mass. Okay. Okay. Air masses stay intact and move independently in response to winds and differences in air pressure. By themselves, they can drastically affect the weather in an area they move into, but some of the most powerful weather systems arise when two or more air masses Oh, it's a little bit of bam chicka wow wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, the area where two or more air masses meet is called a frontal boundary, or simply a front. Okay. The interaction between these air masses, which can stretch for a thousand miles, can have a powerful influence on clouds and weather. Okay. A cold front is created when a mass of cold air wedges under warmer, lighter air, forcing it out of the way. This often makes for the dramatic forming of aggressive weather and storm systems. Okay. Warm fronts occur when a warm air mass slopes over a cold air mass, pushing it along the way. Mm -hmm. The effects are usually less dramatic during warm fronts. It often gets hotter and muggier, and there's a good chance that there will be showers and thunderstorms. Okay. Yep. When a cold, dense air mass slams into a warm, humid air mass, it forces its way under the warmer air, pushing it up and causing the warm air to lift and then to eventually cool. This causes the moisture in the upper air to condense into clouds and precipitate and create rain. Really? So that's what happens is that the humidity in the air, like, you know, people say, oh, it's so muggy and humid. If it rises high enough, it'll actually get cold 
and turn into rain molecules. Which is why typically when like, it's hu- really humid and the humidity breaks, they say, yeah. you always get rain. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And so that's because the humidity is traveling up and up and up and up and up. It formulates into a cloud because that's what clouds are. Yeah. It's just precipitation water molecules and yeah. water vapor just condensing and consolidating. Yeah. And then eventually... Consolidating. <laughs> amalgamating. <laughs> <laughs> Other big words can we find for that? Uh, until it just gets too heavy and it breaks. Right. Right? Um, sometimes, if it's even cold enough, it could produce snow or hail. Okay. Okay. Uh, in some thunderstorms, the greater the difference in temperature, humidity, and the air pressure between air masses, the more likely they are to produce severe and even deadly storms. Mm. Meteorologists keep track of six key conditions in our atmosphere. Pressure which is the weight of the air above a given point on the Earth's surface, the humidity, the amount of moisture in the air, temperature, clouds and the cloud formations, wind, and precipitation. Okay. So every type of storm system, whether you can call it a million other things, like everything you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, right. is all formulated by those key points. Right. Of Air masses, air pressure. Air masses, air pressure, humidity, the sun heating up, yeah. condensed, and then it's just the interaction of air pressures and right. masses of air creating uh, frontal air stuff. Great. Frontal air stuff. Frontal air stuff. Perfect. <laughs> episode, episode 19, frontal air stuff. <laughs> I don't hate it. Now, let's get into some of the fun stuff. Okay. Thunderstorms. Yeah. How are thunderstorms created and what are they? There are roughly 2,000 thunderstorms occurring at any moment worldwide. Ooh. Yeah. There are four different types of thunderstorms. Do you love a thunderstorm? Oh, I love thunderstorms. As do I. When I was up visiting my mom in Nova Scotia, they had... Like the chain lightning ones? They had a heck of a thunderstorm. Harrison it's, loved it. Here for it. Yeah. Yep. We don't get good ones. No. 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 And I'll explain why. Okay. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I haven't thought about that that far. But there's four types of them. There's single cell, which is small, weak, and isolated storms, which is usually what we get. Right. Multi-cells, um, which is a common type of storm that includes clusters of thunderstorms. Okay. Squall line, which is a collection of storms that actually form a line hundreds of miles long, and it just sweeps across oh. states and provinces okay. and stuff. Then there's the supercell, the Ooh. most intense kind of storm, which is also capable of producing tornadoes. Ooh. Mm. So they're linked to thunderstorms, tornadoes? All thunderstorms, uh, all tornadoes come from thunderstorms. Yeah, had no idea. Yeah, it's it's now you may not ever like. I think it's, I think it's impossible not to see the the lightning when you see a tornado because of the intensity of the supercell. Like you would have to see it before you'd see the tornado. Right. But it is directly linked from a supercell. Cool. Yep. All thunderstorms form when warm air in the lowest layers of the atmosphere rises. It's called an updrift. This air causes water from the Earth's surface to evaporate and carries the moisture upwards to form a cloud. The clouds then build and grow sometimes as high as 10 miles high. Okay. The clouds darken, and as they fill, become heavy with water. Cool, dry air from upper layers of the atmosphere, known as downdraft, then pull this moisture downward, causing it to fall as life-sustaining rain. (laughs) In the clouds, lighter parts of the cloud that rise to the top become positively charged. 
while denser, heavier portions of the cloud that hang closest to the Earth become negatively charged. When the distance between these two polars is large enough, it'll start creating lightning. As the negatively charged particles rush to the positive, the electricity, bolt of light, uh, is what we see. Most of the lightning in the storm actually happens within the clouds. Sometimes the charge can be so great that the bolt of lightning will actually connect with the Earth, or the tallest positively charged item nearest to the cloud. Uh, These charges of lightning are hundreds of millions of volts and last only a fraction of a second. But they'll mess you up. They mess you up. Um, so that's that's the reason why we don't have chain lightning here, is because there's not enough humidity in our air to actually build those cooliolimbus clouds. How do you pronounce it? Cooliolimbus. What, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say cooliolimbus clouds. <laughs> what what vowel are you using? <laughs> You're trying to like umlaut it. Culeonimbus clouds. Culeonimbus? Cu- Maybe. I it's, don't know. You know, it's so it's a nimbus cloud. Yeah. It's a culeonimbus. Spell it. Can you spell it? C U L E O nimbus. Culeonimbus. Maybe culeonimbus. You're putting the L in the wrong place if you spelled it correctly. But I probably didn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's like Cluleo. Maybe. It doesn't start with the word Cluleo. Cluleo. <laughs> 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 Cluleo Iglesias clouds. <laughs> Anyways, but they create these massively super tall clouds. But because we don't have the humidity to create those clouds, right. our clouds are a lot smaller right. in height. So the positive and the negative uh, charged portion of the clouds will just communicate with each other. Right. They're not distanced enough for them to want to communicate down to the I earth. I see. Right? So like, likewise with like thunderstorms is one of the things that will affect like air travel. Like oftentimes you can fly above the thunderstorms, yeah. but if the thunderclouds are high enough, then that's actually a concern. Well, it's about landing within them. Right. Right. So yeah. like you never want to take off or land through them. Right. But if you are, you could pass over them. Yes. No, right? I know. But like if, if the clouds are really high, perhaps you're not actually flying above it, depending on how high the clouds. Actually oh, are. I mean, yeah. maybe, I mean, I don't right. know. You fly 30,000 feet. I don't know. Yeah. How high did I just say those were? You said 10 miles. I don't know what that is in feet. Uh, we can't feel, get into that. No. Let's move on. Move on. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so the path the lightning takes reaches about 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It gets hot. I know, no, no. That's, I was just trying to process that. 50,000 degrees. The path that it takes? So like when the lightning strikes, yes. it, the, the amount of heat energy that comes within that path is 50,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Good Lord. This extreme heat creates the booming effects we hear in the thunder as excessive pressure in the lightning, then the lightning's path expands at supersonic rates on return strokes. But don't you normally hear thunder and then see the lightning? No, you see the lightning, then you hear the thunder. I don't... I'm 180 million percent sure. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So the lightning literally burns a hole in the atmosphere, creating a supersonic boom, and that's what we hear. But the lightning, obviously, light travels way faster than sound. So you see that before you hear the sound. Right. And what happens is, is that every, I think it's like, I think every second that it takes for you to hear yes, it after like you've seen col- it. It's a mile away or something. It, it'll or, yeah. actually dictate the distance yes. of how far away it yes. is. Yes, I've heard that before, too. Yeah. Um. Roughly 100 people die a year from lightning in the U.S. Really? That high? More than hurricanes or tornadoes annually. Interesting. Roughly on average, 300 people a year get struck by lightning. 
Which leads me to believe that if I, not only is it super unlikely that I'm going to get struck by lightning, I also have a 33% chance of dying. Right. And also, the population of the states. Well, yes, that's 300 the is very little. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, your chances of getting struck by lightning. Um, oh, actually, let me tell you. Uh, you actually have a higher chance of falling in the shower, which is one in and every... And dying? No, just falling. Which is one. How do they know what the chance of me personally falling in the shower? Are? Well, let me tell you, it's one in every two thousand two hundred and thirty-two chances, uh, or you getting hurt on the toilet, which is one in every ten thousand. But they don't know me. You winning an Oscar, which is Ouch. one in every eleven thousand five hundred. They could go to hell. Your chances of getting struck by lightning is one in thirteen thousand five hundred. So only slightly worse than winning an Oscar. Slightly harder chances. That's what I mean. Yeah. Since the 1940s, in the U.S., tornado, tornadoes? Oh, sorry. Uh, I said people who have died. Um, yes, in the 1940s, in the U.S., tornadoes killed 7,599 people. Hurricanes killed 3,348. And lightning has killed 9,311 people. In the 40s? Since the 1940s. Oh, since the 40s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Some things about lightning. Okay. Shall we move on? Please. Hurricanes. 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 Um, so as the summer season begins and continues throughout the southern regions of the world, yep. the ocean continuously uptakes heat and energy from the sun. Right. Hurricanes are always forming over an ocean. They have to. Okay. Um, over the few hottest months of the year, the ocean's average temperature increases, and because of that, we see major weather systems form. Okay. So when is hurricane season? August, September, October? Yeah. Yeah. Like almost toward, it's usually around September-ish. Yeah. It's usually just as the heat, the highest part of the heat from right. the ocean. The right? ocean has been heated all summer long. Plus, and, and now you're getting these and now it's, cool yeah, exactly. airs coming right. through. Yeah. So as the air above the ocean starts to cool through fall and winter, we see the ocean start to give some of the heat and energy back. Right. Through evaporation, the moisture accumulates in the air. It becomes unstable it becomes a recipe for making massive old clouds remember how i said like the clouds are formulated by doing this yes when you have a combating low pressure system and high pressure system where do all the clouds go i I don't know the answer to this question evan what did i say earlier and you were like what is there no air down there is everyone like When you have a combating high-pressure system and low-pressure system, where do the clouds go? Yeah. Down. Yes, exactly. To the low system. Oh, okay. So if there's all high-pressure systems around you, but there's one low-pressure system in one specific area, all the clouds in the surrounding area are going to rush down into the low-pressure system. Okay. Right? Um, All the clouds that have then formed in that one surrounding area all amalgamate towards the low-pressure system. Um. So I'm not going to... I'm going to try to explain this to the best I can. Um, So think of a merry-go-round. Okay. Okay? Like, wait, hang on. Not a carousel. Sure. A carousel or... They're the same thing. When you say merry-go-round, you mean like the thing in the playground that you spin the thing and all the kids get like stomach sick? Uh, No. But like maybe... You know what I'm talking about? I do, but that's not a merry-go-round. What? Is it is? What is it called? No, it's not. It's a merry-go-round. Merry-go-round is like what all the little horsies are on, and you go around. That's a carousel. It's the same thing. It's a merry-go-round. Untrue. A merry-go-round 
is like this. That doesn't sound very wheel, merry, the, by the way. No, you it's just not. said ripping kids around. It's like around, a spinning wheel of death. Up. One kid, or I mean, this is one of probably one of those things that isn't actually true, but we were yes, told Kayla, please. that one kid. We had a merry-go-round at one of our um, playgrounds, and like all the dirt around it was like lifted up because you flick it so fast and the person like you you'd be hanging off that thing yeah you know what i'm talking about with i the, do like the six I do. fires going across yep and like one kid got his legs sucked underneath and died yeah not no, sure that's true that they, they, made that they probably up. made it up yeah but if you did he went into the <laughs> but that's a merry-go-round you're talking about a carousel sure well think of a carousel okay okay uh let's use horsies as an example that go around the carousel I like okay. that you call them horsies. Horsies. Yeah. Um, so the horsies on the end of the carousel, okay, like the outside, the you mean? outside of the carousel, yeah, okay. travel the fastest because they have a further distance to go. Exactly. Right. Versus the ones that are in the in the in the closest to the center. I agree. Okay. So if we were to look at the Earth and consider the Earth like a massive carousel, and a great way to think of this is to think of Earth as a flat Earth. Right. LOL. What is the most exterior point on flat Earth? Like the furthest horsey. Where would be the furthest horsey? I don't know what you're asking me. It depends on where Like if you... we were to look at the Earth as, as, a, as a merry-go-round, as a carousel. Right. What part of the Earth would be the exterior horsey? Like the furthest horsey? Uh, it depends on what you're no. starting as the a answer sentence. is the equator. Because the equator is going to... Yes. What are you talking about? The poles, the north and south poles, would be the center point... Of the merry-go-round. Think of the axis oh, of the Earth. Oh, oh, oh. You said flat Earth. I was yeah. thinking flat. Yeah, You're so talking about if, a globe, though. Yeah, sure. But if a like globe. the easiest... Yeah, no, that... I guess no. the easiest point is if we cut the Earth in half, not had a flat Earth. I guess yeah, no, I understand mistake. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So as the merry-go-round or the carousel of the Earth spins and stuff yes, like that... Yes, the equator is on the... Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm exactly. With I'm with you. So think of it that way. Okay. okay? So there are certain points on the Earth... Yeah. That if they were to travel into the lower air system, are traveling faster than others. Really? And can get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And can get to the lower air system faster okay. than others because of their direction of where they sit in the right. circumference of the Earth. <laughs> I was picturing like someone from like the higher points of the Earth going towards the equator and be like, whoa, <laughs> this is way faster. <laughs> we should take this route every year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is faster than Highway 62 they're every like, time. They're like walking down the road. They're just like, whoa. <laughs> they're walking twice as fast as all the locals. <laughs> like, I'm not used to this. <laughs> like you go on vacation with somebody who like lives around the equator like lives in florida but you live in like sweden yeah and, like you're walking along you're just like you're walking towards you're like bye garen <laughs> karen's running to keep up with you <laughs> anyway go on it's not my fault blame flat earth <laughs> oh that's funny um so because of that, each cloud system, as it tries to enter that low-pressure system from different parts of the Earth, yeah. uh, enters it at different speeds and at different angles. Okay. And so what ends up happening is they, too, also kind of formulate and will start circulating. Right. Right? They'll kind of go into, like, this cyclic motion. Um, actually, I'm impressed with how well I did explaining that. <laughs> hmm. I mean, you struggled at first, but then you got me. You struggled at first getting on board. <laughs> you couldn't pick which horse you wanted to hop on. You're not wrong. You decided to get on the slow one. I was too busy thinking it's a small <laughs> world after all. <laughs> so the lower and lower the 
pressure system actually is, the more potent the storm becomes. Okay. Because more and more clouds from further, further distances and more systems will actually travel to get there. I see. Bringing more moisture with them. Yeah. Um, so as these systems collect, they start circulating uh, cyclically in a clockwise motion. Uh, Always clockwise. Uh, well, in the southern hemisphere, all of this happens, but just in the other way. It, oh, yeah, it rotates right. clockwise. Okay. Uh, so the warmer the Earth is, the more moisture, as I said, evaporates into the air and the and actual powers the hurricane. Okay. Okay. Almost all hurricanes die off drastically once they hit land because yes. they lose that power right. and the humidity from the Which ocean. Which is why those places on the border get slammed. Slammed. And then everywhere else is just like, it's oh, a bad storm. It's a bit of rain. Yeah, it's a yeah. bad storm, but it's like, it's you got the brunt of it, thanks so much. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so similar to every single weather system, that is just a series of clouds that meet on the ocean because of that, okay? Okay. Um, there is a five-scale hurricane uh, system. One, and it's all based on uh, the winds, by the way. Yes. I knew about this. Like category one. Category yeah, five. category one to yeah. five. So one is between 74 to 95 miles per hour. I see. Two is 96 to 110. Three, 111 to 129. Four, 130 to 156. And five is 157 or higher miles per hour. Consistently or gusts? Well, there wouldn't be gusts because it's a hurricane. So just consistently. I mean, I mean, like, like the same way, like, there's always like an interruption of a gust. Yeah, yes, it's always like, still. yeah, but it's like 157 miles per hour. That's like, it's not slow, old man. No, it'll pick up your car a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Move it faster than you will. Yeah. Even if you're closer to the equator. Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's hurricanes. Okay. Cool. I'm fascinated by all this. I like it a lot. Tornadoes. Okay. Tornadoes start. Fun fact about tornadoes. Before you start. Sure. When I was eight. We went to Universal Studios, <gasps> and we went on the, I say ride, but it's not really a ride. You really just walk through it. Called like the, Remember the movie? Was it called Twister? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like you walk through the thing. Yeah. And it's like parts of it were like, I remember like just starting to cry. I was like eight. And I just was like, this is terrifying. And then I remember like as you get to the part where the fire is, like everything's just blowing like crazy, but then you just see like a cow go by. Yeah. And that I thought was so funny that it was okay. <laughs> it like, was okay. Like that that moment where the cow went by, I was like, "Okay, this is gonna be fine. This is this is fine. This They're is gonna funny. be just fine." Yeah. Um. So tornadoes always start as thunderstorms, but not just normal thunderstorms. Massive, towering ones called supercells, reaching sometimes over fifty thousand feet in the air. Mm. They bring hail, snow, rain, sleet, and some specific conditions. Tornadoes. Rising air is the first ingredient needed for a tornado to develop. LOL, obviously. All of this is just about rising humidity. Right. Many storms are formed when condensation is formed. Uh, the byproducts of the clouds, condensation releases heat, and heat becomes the energy that drives huge upward drafts of air. Okay. In supercells, this rising air mass is particularly strong. As the air rises, it can also change direction and start to move more quickly. Finally, at the storm's base, mm. um, if there is a lot of moisture, a huge cloud, a cloud base develops, giving the tornado something to feed on afterwards, Right. if it gets that far. Um, if all of this, these things happen, a vortex can form enclosed by the storm and forms a wide, tall tube of spinning air that then gets pulled upwards. Right. This is called the mesocyclone. 
Okay. So this is before you actually see the tornado. Okay. So it's just spinning air, just moving around. See-through air. <laughs> like not as like a tornado, you, you can see, see it. it. You can't yeah. see it. Yeah. Okay. You might be able to feel it, but you certainly can't see it. Yeah. So outside of the mesocyclone, uh, cool, dry, sinking air starts to wrap around the back of the mesocyclone. Okay. Forming what's known as the rear flank downdraft. This unusual scenario creates a stark temperature difference between the inside of the cyclone and outside of it, which creates an instability that somehow allows the tornado to thrive, which is strange because it thrives from instability. But you said cyclone. Yep. Mesocyclone, sorry. Okay. Um, is a cyclone and a tornado the same thing? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, the answer is yes. Cyclone is just the cyclic motion of something. I see. And I think, I think I'm just gonna make a big assumption right now. Yeah. Cyclone is the derivative of two words: cyclical movement in a cone motion. So a cyclone. tornado is a cyclone. Is it? Is <laughs> <laughs> a what? Cyclone. Uh, a tornado is a cyclone. Maybe. Okay. Like yes. Do you have cyclone coming up soon? Like, kind of. Okay. Like, my understanding of it is Cyclone is just the... No, go on. You answer it. I'll wait. <laughs> go on. Um, I don't know where I was. Right. The, um, the Mesocyclone's based. Uh, the, the base of it tapers off, and the winds increase towards the base. Um, if it's big enough, and if the spinning winds latch onto the high moisture system at the top of the supercell, it then branches the branches the clouds from the supercell to the spinning winds within the vortex. Once that spinning cloud touches the earth, it formally becomes a tornado. Okay. Yeah. So while this whole invisible mesocyclone is existing, if it actually reaches the top of the supercell, what it does is it drags the, the cloud down. down, and that's right. what we see. And it gets all dark and gray. That's what we see. I see. Exactly. Okay. Um, most tornadoes are short-lived right. and create roughly about 65 to 110 mile per, per hour winds. Uh, some can last for longer than an hour and produce upwards of 200 mile per hour winds. Wow. Which just completely decimate places. Yeah. So, but they're, they're, they, they don't linger. No, they, not for they, very long. they wreck basically where they land and because within they're a so few unstable. miles, and yeah. then up they go unstable. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I said, there's there's an also another kind of tornado. It's called a non-supercell tornado. Okay. Okay. Uh, when you have a low and high pressure systems in a given space, it is the starting point for all types of tornadoes. Particles from a high pressure system move towards an area of low pressure. This creates wind. Right. Okay. As air particles move horizontally from the high pressure to the low pressure, mm. winds begin to pick up. Winds that move in different directions, speeds, and altitudes begin to blow cyclically. So they start spinning around circles. Think of like a spindling wheel. In terms of non-supercell tornadoes, they turn in an upright, vertical spinning vortex. Okay. The spinning vortex will then meet the humidity of the clouds above and will be much less powerful than supercells, creating things like water spouts, land spouts, and very minor tornadoes that last seconds or minutes. The water spout being, it just sucks the water up. Like and it, it just if, looks if it's, like if a it's water over tornado. the ocean. Yeah, exactly. That happened, um, somebody had a, had a video of it, like in Steve Mill, where I'm from on the West Coast. Yeah. It happened, Steve Mill, like two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. 
wow. Yeah. Now, they, I mean, it wasn't near land. No. But they could, you could sit on the beach and watch it. That's so cool. Yeah. So cool. It was, the video was fascinating. Yep. Uh, tornadoes intensity are rated on the enhanced Fujiti scale. Uh, Fujiti? Fujiti. Love it. Yeah. Fujita. Why did I say Fujiti? It's Fujita. Fujita? Like Fujita? Like Vegeta? Yeah. It's over 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, F-U-J-I-T-A. Fujita. <laughs> Fujita. I don't know why. EF0 <laughs> to EF5. Okay. EF0 is the weakest from 65 to 85. EF5 being the strongest at upwards and greater than 200 mile per hour. Wow. One of the strongest tornadoes recorded happened in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma in 1999. Winds reached over 300 <gasps> miles per hour. It resulted in 39 deaths, 600 I would say. injured, and over a billion dollars in damages. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's like what? Probably like 10 minutes. Oh, I, I didn't see how long. No, no, but like but they're never long, right? They're never more than. Yeah, like, but it was long enough. Not like a, a hurricane which lasts oh, God. days. No no no, 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 no. Like maybe like an hour or two, a couple hours tops. Wild. Yeah. And it just drops, right? Like just like all of a sudden there's a tornado. I was like, see you later. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. It obviously you can kind of see it growing and growing. Yes. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh, damn. And oftentimes it'll pick up momentum. Like you can see ones that are like massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tropical cyclones. Let's talk about this for a second. Okay. okay? Yeah. So this is where all the confusion comes from when you said, like, why is it called this and why is it called that? Right. So tropical cyclones, which I will say are all of the same stuff. Okay. It all comes from the same derivative, which is high and low pressure systems over water, creates these supercells and stuff like that of just high and low pressure uh, clouds meeting. Okay. Okay. But what's going to make the difference on what it's called is based on how big the weather system is. Oh. And that's it. Okay. So the lowest level is called a tropical depression. Mm-hmm. Which is just a swirling mass of clouds, similar to a hurricane, but not near as strong. Okay. The strongest is around 39 miles per hour. Okay. Yep. But can be a little bit more powerful than that while it's still on the water. Okay. When the winds are above 39 miles per hour, they're considered a tropical storm. Right. And can reach upwards of 72 miles per hour. Right. When the winds get stronger, they are officially classified as a hurricane or a typhoon. Typhoon. Hmm. Typhoon just is like a hurricane with more water involved. Nope. Oh. If the weather system occurs in the North Atlantic or Northeast, <laughs> Northeast, Northeast, or the Northeast Pacific, it's called a hurricane. If the weather system happens in the Northwest Pacific, then it's called a typhoon. There is virtual. They are virtually identical. Really. One can simply turn into one, depending on where it starts. Now, Why? if a hurricane goes from one section to another, it can actually turn from a hurricane to a typhoon. And if one travels from one to the other, it can go from a typhoon Based to a hurricane. Based on where they are. Yep. That's it. Whack. It is wacky-backy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's weather systems. I know it ended kind of abruptly. Well, it's cool. I'm all about <laughs> it. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, a little heavier content-wise, but I mean, it's, it's lots of interesting stuff. Very much. Very much. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's everything that I wanted and more. Um, Did it answer your questions? Yes. Did it tell you the differences between them? Yes. Uh, except it, for typhoons and hurricanes, which there isn't a difference between, other than like one is northeast, one is northwest. Yeah. But never would one get to another. Never it could. It would have to cross all of the states or all of Canada. 
No, I th- when they showed it in the map, there's some place down south where oh, like, like Brazil, maybe. Like there's maybe I I, I can't answer. I but think, like, like what's narrow down there? Yeah, it yeah. kind of could bridge that gap, maybe, right? But Mex- I, I don't know if it happens yeah. often, right? Yeah, but more hurricanes happen than typhoons because of the North Atlantic cold air, right? That brings it across. They all will formulate within the same general vicinity. Yeah, but then what'll happen is it'll go left or right. Crazy. Yeah. I like that. That is... I'm glad we don't get much of it. But they're all called tropical cyclones. What are all called tropical cyclones? All of those weather systems. Tornadoes, hurricanes, all of it? Hurricanes, uh, tropical storms, tropical depressions, typhoons. Typhoons. Oh. They're all the exact same storm. They're all cyclones. Cyclone is the broad term. Yeah, because it's a movement, a cyclical movement of clouds. Oh, I thought a cyclone was something else. Yeah. I think I thought a cyclone was a water spout. Like I thought a, yeah. I, th- I thought a cyclone was very specific to like water. Yeah. And I it mean, might be it might be deri- derived from like like there Pokemon was a, or something. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. There was a Pokemon who had like a cyclone move and it was like yeah. very water involved. Like Articuno, maybe or Articuno something? or um 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 uh, I almost called him Gatorade. Nope. Um, I know yeah. Duh! Yes. Magikarp turns into Gastro pub, <laughs> gastritis, Genghis Khan. Oh my God! How we Gyarados? Gyarados. Yeah, he has a move called Cyclone. I think. No, I think he just shoots water spouts. <laughs> I think Blastoise has a move called Water Spout. Anyway, anyways, it doesn't matter. It don't matter. Um. So yeah, those are the differentiating things of a weather system. Uh, differentiating things of a weather system. Yeah. Um, so for something entirely different we haven't done a lot of these of like recently i mean things that are different well like yeah the two topics are drastically different um recently we haven't done a lot oh no recently you're right yeah originally we did but then we we got into a lot of themes we got into a lot of like yeah yeah anyway cool stuff cool stuff so the topic for you tonight yes is Ms. Cleopatra. Um, what do you know about Cleopatra, Jeff? I know that she was very young. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? She aged. So what do you mean she was very young? Yeah, she was 16 years old when she ran Egypt. Wrong, but close. 14 when she ran Egypt. No, it doesn't matter. Stop guessing. She was young when she ran Egypt. Yes. Um, and, and you know that she ran Egypt, so that's good. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, People dress like her for Halloween. Yep. And that's it. Cool. So, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, definitely Queen of Egypt. She was young. Um, other things that people like frequently know about Cleopatra, she seduced powerful men to get what she wanted. She had incredible beauty, and she was the ruination of the Roman Empire. Oh. Now, however, while some of this is true... The only reason that these are the <laughs> She was actually ugly as a rubber boot. <laughs> well, she... Mm. Oh, no! The, the only reason that these are the points we talk about is because she was a woman. Clearly. And the Roman Empire couldn't deal with a competent woman leading the country. So oh. they spewed all this propaganda about Cleopatra after she had died to be like, oh, yeah, I know she was this and she was that. Oh, like, no. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of sexism going on. Buddy. Yep. However, this woman was a powerhouse. Yeah. She ruled Egypt... For 21 years. Wow. In art and film, she is often portrayed as an elegant temptress with mm. incomparable beauty. Yes. But that's Hollywood and a male-driven industry, just being like, we've got to make her sexy. Halloween costumes, for one. Yeah. Um, 
But in reality, coins discovered as late as 100 years ago depict her to have quite a strong jawline and hooked nose. And I don't say this to be like, oh, she was ugly. Um, but if it was a man, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't even be talking about it. Right? It's only because she's a woman that we're talking yeah, about. It. God, I hate that but so much. But she understood the double standard going on between men and women, and it's believed that she worked hard to control how she was perceived by the public. Wow. Her image on Egyptian coins was a way to appear more masculine in order to emphasize her power and right to rule. So do you think that's an over-exaggeration of how she actually looked or a true depiction of how she actually looked? I think a little bit of an exaggeration for her to be like, I'm going to make my, like, in terms of the strong jawline. Sure. To make her look a little more masculine and like, I have the right to rule. That's Interesting. That's what they say. Okay. Um, as you'll soon find out, there's no question that she was desirable. And did, she did seduce many a man mm-hmm. when she wanted to achieve her goals. But they were all like, I, would, I say, you get it, girl. Good for like, you, honey. Oh, yeah. Heck you yeah. take what's yours. Heck yeah. And however you want to do it, mm-hmm. no judgment. Yep. On top of the pyramid? Um, <laughs> on the bottom of the pyramid? <laughs> Whatever. Also, historian sorry, um, Plutarch, Plutarch said that it mm. wasn't her looks, but her intellect, wit, charm, and sweetness in the tones of her voice that made her irresistible to everyone. Ooh. So it's like, it wasn't just like, oh, she's pretty, so we all like her. She was brilliant. She was incredibly charismatic and just one of those people that has an energy everyone is drawn to. She spoke a dozen languages and was educated in mathematics, philosophy, oratory, and astronomy. Okay. So, like, also, no slouch. And also, men, step up and learn more than your one friggin' Latin. Yeah, you, Evan. How many languages do you know? I, I was talking about this to somebody today. One. It was somebody who was an uh, immigrant who knows their language and another. And I asked if they had known, like, if they started learning English when they moved to Canada. They're like, no, we learned English, like... I think they're from the Philippines, actually. I'm thinking about it now. Yeah. And they were like, no, we learned English in the Philippines. I'm like, yeah, see, we on this side mm-hmm. are lazy. Lazy. Because not only do we not like learn another language, really, mm-hmm. we have two national languages, and I still don't know it. Nope. Like, we should mandatorily have to speak French and English fluently. Yeah, at the least. At the least. Yeah. You're in the Philippines. English isn't a national language in the Philippines, and yet you learned it as a child. Yeah. It's foolishness. It's it's all about we as English speaking people can pretty much go anywhere and get get by. Yep. So we don't have to learn another language. It's like it's so stupid. It's very stupid. Yeah. How annoying of us. That's very annoying of us. Anyway, let's dive in. So Please. as I'm saying, she she knew her stuff. She, she's a very intelligent woman. Cleopatra was born in the year 69 BCE. What does BCE mean? Before a common era. And why is it sometimes just BC? Before Christ, but then they thought that it was too religious, so they put before Common Era. Okay. But ironically, there is no other calendar other than that calendar. You know, the the Chinese don't have, they don't believe, they don't, they're not, they don't have a Catholic or Christian right, a religious, religious denomination. Right, right. But that's where our calendar comes from. Right. So they don't care about when Christ came along. Right. So, yeah. So this article be... had, like, both BCE and BC written BC randomly. before Christ. Okay. And then they got rid of it because it was too Jesus. All right. So, yeah, she was born in the year 69 BCE, uh, 2,491 years after the completion of the Great Pyramid of Giza. One more time. 2,491 years after. So, because you think Cleopatra, you think pyramids, you think Egypt. Yeah. No, she was born almost 2,500 years after the Pyramid of Giza. Um, fun fact, Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon in 1969, 
2,039 years after the birth of Cleopatra, which means she lived closer to the moon landing than she did to the destruction of the pyramids. Wow. Which is not what you think when you think Cleopatra. No. So do you know, do we know if she like lived near them, like in them, by them? You told me no one lived in the pyramids. But I'm asking. You told me this. You did pyramids. Yeah. But like, did like, but, but people could have moved into them afterwards. You told me they didn't. Not when they built them. No, they didn't. There was hauntings and gross shit going on. Okay. Um, she didn't live in a pyramid. I don't know where she lived, but I don't think she lived in a pyramid. Mm. Um, although Cleopatra was born in Egypt, she's actually of Macedonian Greek descent. Ooh. She was the daughter of Ptolemy, which is how you pronounce it, but there's a P in front of it. P-T-O... Ptolemy. P-T-O-L-E-M-Y. But in the videos I watched, they said Ptolemy. Uh, Ptolemy VII, his name was Aletus, a descendant of Ptolemy I, Soter, one of Alexander the Great's generals. I know. There's a lot of big names lot going on. A lot of big on, names. Going on. Wait for it. Dropping big names. Uh, heads up, there are a lot of people named Ptolemy in the story. So Ptolemy? Far, yeah, we, so far we've got two. So the, do they have different silent letters in front of them? No, they're all just peace. Ptolemy? Um, so Ptolemy I began ruling Egypt <laughs> after Alexander's death in 323 BCE, launching a powerful dynasty. of. So he was a... Um, like a general to Alexander the Great. And when Alexander the Great died, Ptolemy I was left to rule Egypt. Um, he launched a powerful dynasty of Greek-speaking rulers that lasted for nearly three centuries, all the way down to Cleopatra, who was the last ruler of the Ptolemaic dynasty. Ooh. The very last one. After Cleopatra's father died, which was Ptolemy VII, 18-year-old Cleopatra and her younger 18. brother... I was close. I know. And her younger brother, 10-year-old Ptolemy VIII, were appointed as joint rulers in his will. As was custom, the two were married. Brother and sister. Uh Uh-huh. In order to preserve the purity of their bloodline and to consolidate power, many of Cleopatra's ancestors partnered with cousins or siblings, and it's likely that her own parents were brother and sister. I don't like this story Which didn't affect her, obviously. She learned 12 languages, the whole, like, you know... What often happens when brother and sister <laughs> marry. Say, careful now. Um, she was fine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, unlike the rest of the Ptolemaic family, the young queen embraced many of Egypt's ancient customs and was the first ruler to learn the Egyptian language. So in 300 years, not one of them learned Egyptian. What? She's like, because they weren't Egyptian. They were Greek, right? Yeah, but, but they, they ruled Egypt. Yeah. No but one did where tell her. So where did they rule Egypt from? From Greece? They lived in Egypt. Is that that what you're asking me? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, they ruled in Egypt. But just didn't speak Egyptian. None of them did. She was the first one to rule and learn Egyptian. Because she was just a constant translator between her and the people? Other people and the people, not her. Yeah. Does someone just translate her talking in whatever language she spoke? She didn't. She learned Egyptian. Okay, fine. Ptolemy VII. Yes, whatever. Yeah, all of them, I guess, had a translator. And she was like, no, I love Egypt. She loved all the ancient customs of Egypt. Because, like, you know, all the whole thing, all the whole things with the pyramids and the, um, uh, what do you call the people who, pharaohs, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. She was, like, super into it. And she learned Egyptian. She was the first one in 300 years to learn Egyptian who ruled the country. How progressive. So progressive. And, like, also, like, yeah, you should. You should. Soon into their reign, things started to get dicey between Cleopatra and her younger brother. It was clear that Cleopatra had no intention of co-ruling. She erased his name from official documents and even ordered that his face be removed from coins. Oh, wow. (laughs) Take him off the nickel. 
because her brother was just a kid and pure Game of Thrones style, his advisors knew he was their ticket to ruling things the way that they wanted. Uh, and they kicked into action against Cleopatra and forced her to flee Egypt and <gasps> into Syria. Stop. There's a lot of this. You're going to gasp a lot. Yay. She assembled an army of mercenaries. Stop. Like yes. assassins. Basically, just like went to Syria, was like, bias. who wants, like, hey, you butcher, you baker, you candlestick <laughs> maker. Why don't you... Um, Cogsworth. Why don't we going you to fight? just come fight and grab your... Uh, candlesticks. Candlesticks <laughs> and your uh, rolling pin. Uh, they start a civil war at... Pelusium on Egypt's eastern border against her brother. So at the same time this is going on, General Pompey of the Roman Republic and his arch rival, Julius Caesar, lots of name dropping going on. Why do you make that face? I don't know. I want to call it bullshit. No, no, no. There's no bullshit. I'll tell you right now. There's no bullshit in this whole story. Wow. Okay. Keep yeah, going. I'm right. just telling you. So yeah, General Pompey of the Roman Republic and his arch rival, Julius Caesar of the soon to be Roman Empire, mm-hmm. are also at war and fighting. Okay, at the Battle of Pharsalus in Greece, somehow they have the exact date, August 9th, 48 BC. No lie. Yep, the exact date. In 48 BC, they can tell us that it happened on August 9th. Like, yeah, bye. August 9th lasted for 14 years. Uh, Pompey's army gets annihilated, and due to his close relationship with the um, Ptolemies, he thinks, I'm going to go to Egypt. Seek refuge and replenish my forces. Oh, good idea. Pompey thinks. Ptolemy VIII's advisors, still pulling all the strings. So the younger brother. The younger brother who's still ruling in Egypt. How old is he at this point? I don't know, 14, 15. Mm. Uh, tell him it's a, he's still got acne for one. You know, that's Ugh. how young he must be. Uh, they tell him it's a bad idea to let Pompey come in because of Rome's civil war that's going on. Allowing Pompey refuge would make Caesar become an enemy. So rather than just be like, Pompey, mom says you can't come over, they send Pompey a written message saying, yes, bye, come seek refuge. That's fine. And they kill him. He arrives on a boat and immediately gets ambushed and stabbed to death. Oh, my God. All planned. So then Ptolemy gets all cocky. He thinks he's ended Rome's civil war. Right? He's like, Caesar's going to be delighted. He wants to be buddies with Julius Caesar. Yeah. So he serves. Serves? Nope. He severs oh, Pompey's head. Very different words. I mean, kind of the same. But then serves it yep. to Julius Caesar. Yeah, he severs it, embalms it, and sends it to Caesar. Great. Caesar's like, why are you sending me a head, you absolute lunatic? <laughs> and calls on Ptolemy and Cleopatra, who are their brother and sister, to disband their forces and reconcile. Because they're still at war, the brother and sister. She's got her mercenaries. He's got his army in Egypt. They're yeah. still fighting. He's like, give it up, guys. He does the whole, like... Uh, they're on you know family road trip and mom's like the hand's coming back and I don't care who it hits. <laughs> he basically does that. Ptolemy is like, man, I just gave you that sick head on a stick yeah. and you were like unappreciative. Uh-huh. So he acts out, arrives at Alexandria, which is a big city, yeah, named after Alexander, right? With an army in clear defiance of what Caesar had suggested. Cleopatra, who wants back on the throne, hears that Caesar was sometimes known to having affairs with royal women. Mm. So Cleopatra, known for using elaborate costumes and dramatic entrances, shows up, wraps herself in a carpet, and gets delivered to Julius Caesar's personal quarters. (laughs) I shit you not. Imagine unrolling that carpet. She's she's at the end lying down. Exactly, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both doing the same move right now. Yeah. Hand on a hip, hand under the head. Um, Leaning on the side. Caesar is immediately taken with her because she's brilliant. Yeah. 
and just so charismatic. He's like, bravo! And they become political allies and lovers. Stop it. When Roman reinforcements arrive, with Caesar behind her, literally. Uh, uh, <laughs> Caesar, I hardly even know her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first good one in a while. Yeah. Um, Cleopatra is able to now take back the kingdom because she's got the Roman reinforcements, which she knew going in. Uh-huh, she knew going right? in. Right? Yeah. Forcing her brother to flee, and he is believed to have drowned in the Nile River while he was fleeing. He died. Woof. Following the war, as was customary, Cleopatra marries her younger brother, her other younger brother, Why? Ptolemy the Ninth. Just marry the. Wait, I may have got these right. numbers wrong. No, no, the, the ninth's right. No, seventh X... was her father. No, I know, but is her younger brother. Ninth. This is XIV, which is actually fourteen. How many Ptolemies could there have possibly been between her other brother and this one? <laughs> <laughs> she went down through all the brothers and picked the most handsome. Yeah, maybe she had a lot of brothers. Anyway, this is XIV, so it must be Ptolemy the Fourteenth, whatever. Then, so he was 13 years old at the time. Uh, Caesar stuck around Egypt for a while, and around 14 BC, Cleopatra gives birth to a son. Oh, to Caesar's son. Yeah, no, she, I, don't, I don't think she ever has relations with her brothers. They're just married. Believed to be Caesar's <laughs> child, Tol- they name him Ptolemy Caesar. He was known by the Egyptian people as Caesarian or Little Caesar. Or Little Caesar. Side Caesar. Not actually Side Caesar. I just thought it was funny. Side Caesar. <laughs> Garden salad. Um, Cleopatra and her brother go visit Caesar in Rome, but leave quickly because he gets murdered. <laughs> Caesar, I mean. Yeah, no, I, I get it. How, you asked? Do you know how Caesar got murdered? Brutus. A to Brute. Yes, They'll but do you know how? Him. They all stab him. They all. Yeah, I know. He gets murdered by the Senate. Yeah. 23 Senate I members all the take Senate. the knife and stab him, which I forgot. Like, I knew, I knew it at one point, and then was like, how did I ever forget that? That's insane. Like, we think, like, oh, Donald Trump, oh, whatever, is all, it's like, it's not as crazy as this. No. Like, imagine all of the members of the U.S. Senate just, like, all being like, hey, Donald, and just all stabbed him in the gut. <laughs> just shiv him up. History is insane. And but, I, like, what's, never mind. I'm going to keep letting you go. Okay. Uh, so they get out of Dodge and head back to Europe. Nope. Egypt. Uh, <laughs> and they aren't there long before Ptolemy XIV is killed. Oh, thought man. to be killed by Cleopatra's agents. Agents of darkness. So that she and her three-year-old son, Little Caesar, would now be co-regents. Even though, he, obviously, he can't rule. If anything ever happened to her, it would be her son who ruled. As opposed to... So they, they're co-regents, and he is now Ptolemy the 15th. With extra so- cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so things are going pretty well for Cleopatra, right? I mean, all of her family and lovers are dead. And she's ruling with her little boy. And she pretty much wanted that to happen, I think. Mm-hmm. So, like, a whole lot of, like, Cersei Lannister kind of vibes A lot of, like, on. Black Widow kind of. I like it. Yeah. It's a lot of sorcery. She knew what she was doing. She did. It was shady, but it was like, hey, man, yep. I'm figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Um, her hold on power in Egypt was never more secure than now. But flooding of the Nile resulted in failing crops, which led to inflation and hunger. So she's like, things aren't going so great in the country, even though I'm doing great. Meanwhile, in Rome, a conflict was raging between a second triumvirate, which is a great word. What a great word, triumvirate. So, meaning the people who, so, um, Caesar died. Yep. And now, there's all these allies of Caesar who are avenging Caesar. Uh, sure. So, led by Mark Antony. Antony. And Octavian <gasps> against Caesar's assassins, led by Brutus and Cassius. So, two armies, civil war. Both sides asked for Egyptian support. 
Cleopatra, head of the country, sent four Roman legions to aid the Allies. She's like, no, no, no. I'm not siding with the people who killed the my father lover. of my lover. In fourteen, or sorry, in 42 BC, after defeating the forces of Brutus and Cassius, Mark Antony and Octavian divide power of Rome between them. So rather than like one person ruling Rome, they're like, we ruled the whole army. Let's both take part of it. Mm. Soon after, Mark Antony summons Cleopatra to Tarsus to explain her role in the aftermath of Caesar's assassination, since she sent the troops. But what will I wear? But what will I wear? Exclaims Cleopatra. Uh. Well, you know, I told you about the dramatic entrances that we spoke of. She arrives on a golden barge, a barge being like a boat, with purple sails rowed by oars made of silver. Go on. She was dressed How up. How did that boat not sink is she, the real question. She was dressed up as the goddess Aphrodite and sat beneath a gilded canopy while servants dressed as cupids fanned her and burned sweet-smelling incense. She's basically like the Egyptian Elton John. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> She's like, I'm still standing. <laughs> Uh, oh, Anthony, good. who considered himself the embodiment of the Greek god Dionysus, Ooh. was instantly charmed by her, and the two fall into a love affair. Oh, my God. So he's head of Rome now, and now she's got him wrapped around her finger. Mm-hmm. He agrees to help protect Egypt. Egypt. Is a T there? There's definitely a T. And Cleopatra's crown and pledges support for the removal of her younger sister and rival, How many Arsenal. of these things does she got? She got like six or seven siblings. And like now she's like, well, now my sister's going to come after the throne. So like, mm-hmm. fine. So right now, Arsenault was exiled by Cleopatra, and he's like, I'll protect you from whatever she's going to do. Yep. She's found murdered on the steps of a temple in Rome. Of course. Cleo, what are you doing? What are you doing, honey? Cleopatra returns to Egypt, soon followed by Mark Antony, who left behind his third wife, Fulvia, and their children. Oh. He's just like, see you, Fulvia. How wholesome. The two spend the winter of 41 to 40 BC, because in BC, times work backwards. So yep. it's like 41 to 40 is like actually going... Forward. Yeah. In Alexandria, where they famously formed a drinking society called the in- Inimitable Livers. Oh, my God. They for- it's like a famous thing that they formed this drinking society and they used to get loaded all the time. Can we just call this podcast that? The in- in- We can't pronounce it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's kind of the point of view. Inimitable. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Inimitable Livers. Inimitable Livers. Anthony returns to Rome. And Cleopatra, Cleopatra returns to the birthing room where she has twins. Alexander Helios, meaning sun, and Cleopatra Selene, meaning moon. Ooh. So I said earlier, Antony and Octavian were Caesar's buds, right? And they, uh, when he got assassinated, they banded together to avenge him. Got Cleo's help, won the war, and then they split up the kingdom between them. Yep. But then, of course, what do they want? They all want it for themselves. They don't, they're like, we don't want to do this just together. We don't want to like run this podcast together. I want to be the head podcaster. Yeah, sure. Right? Mark Anthony, who presided over Rome's eastern areas. Is this saw... J-Lo's husband, Mark Anthony? <laughs> Same name. Uh, Same guy. Who presided over Rome's eastern areas, saw in Cleopatra a chance for, for an, chance for financial and military support to secure his win. What am I saying? I don't know. Delete, 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 delete. Cancel. Cut that out. Mark Antony, <laughs> who presided over Rome's eastern areas, saw in Cleopatra a chance for financial and military support to secure his rule over the empire. Cleopatra had her own motivations to get with Mark Antony, 
In exchange for her help, she sought the return of Egypt's eastern empire, which included Cyprus, Libya, Jericho, and large portions of Syria and Lebanon, which they no longer ruled, but technically were part of Egypt. Hmm. She wanted them back. Interesting. Now, Octavian, the other guy who's fighting Mark Antony, was actually Julius Caesar's great nephew, and in Caesar's will was named his adopted son and heir. The only heir. Wow. So naturally, he thinks, I'm the heir. Everything should be mine. Mark Anthony was just a general. Screw you, Mark Anthony. Go back to J-Lo, you're nutting. Go back to J-Lo, you're nutting. In 34... Which, to be honest with you, is a perfectly good silver medal to running entire it Rome. Is. <laughs> in 34 BC, Antony returns with Cleopatra to Alexandria with a triumphant flair. Mm. Crowds swarm to the gymnasium to catch a glimpse of the couple seated on golden thrones... Of course. ...that were elevated on silver platforms. Beside them sat their children including Little Caesar. <laughs> In order to antagonize Octavian further, Ptolemy the fifteenth, or yep. Little Caesar, yep. Julius Caesar's son and rightful heir, um, uh, Mark Anthony says, no, 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 you're not the rightful heir, you great nephew. This guy is actually his son. So, do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, right? yeah, so Octavian's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. pissed. He's like, no, no, that's not true. It's like, Cleopatra says it is, and mm-hmm. she was the one who gave birth to him. So, yep. Um, so that's what um, what's his nibs? Antony did to like just really piss him, piss him off. So now Octavian's pissed. He says that Antony was entirely under Cleopatra's control. He fights back, declaring that he seized Antony's will and told the Roman people that Antony had turned over Roman possessions to Cleopatra and was planning to make Alexandria the Roman capital in Egypt. The Roman Senate then strips Antony of all of his titles, and Octavian declares war on Cleopatra. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. On t- September 2nd, 31 BC, Cleopatra and Antony combined armies to try to defeat Octavian in a raging sea battle <gasps> at Actium off Greece's west coast. In boats! In boats! In boats! It's a crushing defeat for Cleopatra and Antony. No. Cleopatra's ships deserted the battle and fled to Egypt, and Antony soon managed to break away and follow her with a few ships. With Alexandria under attack from Octavian forces, Antony heard a rumor that Cleopatra had committed suicide. He fell on his sword and died, just as the news arrived that the rumor was not true. Ugh. On August 12, 30 BC, after burying Antony and meeting with the victorious Octavian, Cleopatra closed herself in her chamber with two of her female servants. The means of her death is uncertain. But Plutarch and other writers put forward the theory that she used a poisonous snake known as the asp, a symbol of divine royalty, to commit suicide. Others say Cleopatra was known to conceal a deadly poison in one of her hairbrushes, and many scholars now suspect she used a pin dipped in some form of a potent toxin to end her own life. Wow. Yep. Both pretty aggressive. Oh, yeah. They're like, we lost. There's no way we're coming back from this. Peace out, everybody. According to her wishes, Cleopatra's body was buried next to Mark Antony's in a yet-to-be-discovered location. No a yet-to-be-discovered. No one knows where it is. Of course. Egypt becomes a province of the Roman Empire, and Emperor Caesar Augustus I is left to celebrate his conquest. So Octavian is, becomes Caesar Augustus. In the centuries since her reign, the life of Cleopatra has captivated historians, storytellers, and the general public. 
Her story resonates because of what she represented in such a male-dominated society, mm -hmm. in an era where Egypt was in an agitated state by internal and external battles. Cleopatra held the country together and proved to be as powerful a leader as any of her male counterparts. There we go. 21 years. The end. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I'm here for it. Right? Oh, man. We need another Cleopatra. Kind of, yeah. How much would you love if that's who just got unraveled under a carpet at the White House <laughs> and she came over in a gold throne with a silver platform? Seriously, that stuff don't happen no more. No. I miss it. Me too. Well, I mean, as if we experienced it. Yeah, I wish it still did. <laughs> I mean, do we? Do we wish that like leaders were just assassinated constantly? Maybe not. No, we but do not. But sea battles. Sea battles? Super cool. Here for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited about well, it. I mean, World War II had lots of sea battles, but I mean, that's it. But like, not in like wooden boats where they're no, like throwing... They're like submarines. Throwing spears from one to the other or whatever. Beep. Beep. Like, what were they fighting with? They wouldn't have had like cannonballs then. Why not? Was there gunpowder then? No, I mean, probably not. Probably, uh, definitely not. It's probably like magician gunpowder. Like, you know when yeah, uh, like, King Arthur, like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 what's yeah. his name, Merlin? Yeah. Is it Merlin? Yeah, Merlin is the wizard. Is yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, what would sea battles have persisted, or I'm uh, not persisted, consisted of, uh, in like, in 39 or 31 BC? Sea battles. Someone please tell us. I don't know. I don't know why that didn't intrigue me more earlier. I would have looked it up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, obviously, like they had to retreat, so like things weren't going so hot. Nope. Just like ramming the boats into each other. <laughs> <laughs> Turn back. Do you give up yet? No. Anyway, what a life. What a fascinating life. Yeah. Um, it's like kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of ending. It is, and and then technically, so Caesar Augustus, mm -hmm. who becomes the first leader of the Roman Empire, because it stops being a republic and starts being an empire. Mm -hmm. um, the first galactic yeah, empire. That's all I could think of. Yeah. Um, technically, little Caesar was actually heir of the, yeah. of the Roman Empire. And, he, and for like a very brief period, he was technically the true leader of the Roman Empire. He was the Jon Snow of yeah. the Roman Empire. And very quickly, they assassinated him. I don't doubt it for a second. Yeah. Oh, man. What a time to be alive. Um, cool. So that's the end. This is the end. Of episode 19. Yep. And we've made it. So we're legally drinking age now. Uh, for in podcasts. Canada. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada, the podcast can now legally go downtown. Yeah, probably shouldn't. No. But wear, definitely or can. at least wear a mask and, and do yeah. um, support social Hypothetically, it's been going downtown for at least the last three years. But now this year can legally <laughs> do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Now it does so in front of its parents. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So lots of great stuff happening. Uh, as everyone is aware, the second round of pre-orders um, have started. We actually have a lot in already. Yeah. It may be time to cut off the second round. Not cut off, but like make the order and like order a few extras so that people who order late can still get them. Yeah. Um, we now have two logos. One that's just the um, standard splain and stamp, and then the other one has the little. Uh, You've got some splaining to, to do. do. Yep. Um, both of them provided by Kyle McDavid. Uh, the, you've got some splaining to do has a, has a push button where you push the button and it actually plays the song. Yep. Actually, it's just me going, yet that is! Anyway, yeah. see you later. Yep. 
Um, so, uh, as always, please email us at info.splainit at gmail.com to pre-order your shirt. Um, let us know what size and uh, send the money there, and we'll have it to you as soon as we can. Absolutely. I'm thinking we're going to order, like, this week, so give it two to three weeks, and they will be in. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, please go follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Splaincast. Like, follow, share, comment, all that kind of fun stuff. Um as we mentioned earlier, we love little testimonials, people letting us know we how they love feel about them it. So much. It really gives us um, motivation to keep doing what we're doing. And you know what? Go write it in a little, um, what do you call it? A review. Uh, yeah, like an iTunes review. Not iTunes. Podcast. Podcast app review. Um, because they're lovely, they go a long way, and they bump us up on those charts. Bump us up. Because we probably aren't even on a chart. Yes, ever. we are. We're on like a chart that we put on our wall and drew with like a lead pencil and said, We're number one, we're number one. <laughs> um, but yeah, in, also, <laughs> uh, if you have a topic you want to send in or anything you want to tell us, really, like you know, you're not who we said that you were last week, <laughs> um, just email us at info.splanin at gmail.com. We hoped you learned something this week, and if you didn't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> Because we were brilliant. And also, there's always next week. On this next exciting episode of Splainin'. You got some. I wish I had some chips. Buddy. Yep. Maybe we can go get some. We'll see. I can't make any promises. I'm watching me figure. Oh, yeah? I see you're watching a trailer. Uh, uh, Got him. Got him.